Welcome to the global phenomenon, Surviving the Survivor, where we bring you the best guests in all of true crime. Hello and welcome to Surviving the Survivor. I am clearly not Joel and apologies, all hell has broken loose in the first 20 seconds. I have two dogs going wild. Just for the record, during Joel's show, I keep the kids quiet, the dogs quiet. We're going to wing Chief this of until everything. I can find Joel. <laughs> Chief of everything. Right. And when you're not there. <laughs> Thank you for being here. And uh, if you're just joining us, everyone, please remember to hit the like button. He agrees. Yeah, he does. Like he's, saying hi, he's saying hi to everyone. <laughs> and uh, we have two amazing guests on the show. They are somewhat new friends, although we were just talking about how we met at CrimeCon, all of us. Um, and we have a few connections, so we'll explain it in a minute. But first, I do want to introduce Lauren from Hidden True Crime. Many of you already know her. She is also a journalist, so we all have that connection as well. And then for the second time now, I have Gigi from Pretty Lies and Alibis, and many of you already know her as well. She is also a journalist. And again, this is her second time coming on with me. So thank you so much, Gigi, for putting up with all of our shenanigans here. Hey, I like shenanigans. Come on. <laughs> all right, great. Um, let's start with you, Lauren. Just, just in case anyone is watching and they're not familiar with you or your show, can you give us like a one or two minute synopsis about what you do, who you are? Absolutely. Yes. Thanks for having me. It's so good to be here with two friends. So I was a TV reporter for 10 years, and then I decided to quit and become the producer of our family-run podcast, uh, Hidden, a true crime podcast. My co-host is my husband. He's actually a forensic and clinical psychologist. He's, he's licensed and uh, performs a lot of evaluations for criminals in the system. And so uh, we fell in love over true crime. It was a blind phone call. And we talked for two hours about a, honestly, a, if I'm going to be honest, a triple homicide that I was covering. And I was asking him questions about it. And, and he was sharing and we've talked about crime every day since. So the two of us just naturally during the pandemic said, hey, let's, it's time. Let's start this true crime podcast, we talk about the hidden motives. We go deep into uh, what lies hidden. So that is our podcast. We have a YouTube channel and a podcast. And we, I, I, can I just also really quickly say, congratulations on hitting 100,000 subscribers. Hey. I, yes, I couldn't help but notice. So it's a really big deal. I thought I was gonna have to rally everyone to subscribe and you did it. You did it. <laughs> Congratulations. It was slow. We, we were definitely like slowly inching. Hey, Ethel, show us your face. <laughs> <laughs> we were definitely slowly getting to 100K. Like we moved at the rate of molasses, but we did it. So a special shout out to everyone at STS Nation. Thank you to each and every one of you guys who have subscribed since the beginning. Um, it obviously has evolved so much since then, um, but we're excited and it's crazy because you think 100,000, I was looking it up, that's enough to fill the Michigan Stadium, which is insane, but it also <laughs> still feels so small. Like when I, I feel like every time we're in chats, like I feel like you know all these people. So it, it, it's a really cool thing. It is. Yes. Congratulations to an incredible community. Well-deserved. Thank you. Thank you. And, and Gigi. Give us your two-minute story of who you are, what you do, what Pretty Lies and Alibis is all about. 
Like Lauren, this was born out of COVID boredom with the Lori Vallow case. That was the first case I jumped on. I had a co-host, my best friend of 30 plus years. Her nickname is Fruit Loop. Still call her that to this day. And so she stayed with the show for about a year and a half. And then now she's moved on with a friend to create this amazing domestic violence safe haven in the middle of nowhere. They house women on site, get them jobs. Everything's free. Super proud of them. And so just after she left, kept doing what I was doing and just kind of went a little different direction of how I do the content with, with being me alone. Cause we really just bounce things off, but yeah. So I'm a correspondent for law and crime network. I was at the Lori Vallow trial, Lauren, me and Lauren and Brian Enton were seatmates pretty much the whole trial. And um, yeah, so I go out and do things for them and do my own thing and hop on News Nation at night sometimes. So yeah, I love what I do. Really grateful for it. Most grateful I get to do my job in my PJs because from like here up, you guys see the business, but down south, we have a little party. It's nice. Absolutely. Honestly, that's that's our favorite part of, about uh, podcasting is I mean, you can just do what you want, when you want, at home, in your, I'm in sweatpants. Um, yeah. so it is, it is really great. And for all of you guys that are just joining us and don't know who I am, I forgot to introduce myself. <laughs> I am the COE that is the chief of everything here at STS. I help Joel run everything behind the scenes. I have our puppy who is trying to chew oh, wires. Wait, does that puppy have a wonky little eye? Yeah. Okay, because Joel texted me a picture and I sent a picture back and I was like, I hope it didn't offend Joel because I was totally. Oh, like, no, Joel, Joel like. Oh, speak of the devil, look at there. The crazier the dogs look, there. like Joel loves it. Our, his last dog, Mabel, who lived to almost 17, had like. Oh, very so long cute. Time. Yeah, we're live. Wow, what a different show. <laughs> <laughs> what, a, what a different style. What a different. Um, uh, Joel has a few quick announcements. <laughs> yes. Uh, very quickly. Hello, everyone. And uh, hey, welcome. Joel. Hey, how are you? Um, Good. I screwed up yesterday. So, for anyone and everyone that's watching, um, I played Don Adelson's courtroom audio, and that was given to us by the shaming of Jay. I'm going to say it again at five today when we do a full show on Don Adelson again. But that was courtesy of the shaming of Jay, who gave it to us. Um, you know, sometimes there can be a little drama about content, whose content it is. And I want to make it abundantly clear that the shaming of Jay gave us that audio. And I will announce that again. And please check out the shaming of Jay. He does some interesting, cool stuff. Uh, with, He's a good dude. I love his content. Yeah, yeah he does some some interesting stuff. So. Have a good show. Love please. people that source. Love people that it's so important yeah. to source. That was awesome. Yeah. Um, it should always be a collaboration and never a competition when it comes to true crime. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. You take five online. different podcasters covering the same case, and it's like you're going to get five different ways you hear it. You and Dr. John do it so differently. He, you have such a unique angle with his expertise and your background in journalism. You know, so I, I love that. I love that you can have five different places you go watch and you learn something from each one because it's we Absolutely. all just have different approaches. And guys, we are uh, I know Joel was joking about a different approach of the show. We are going to get to the topic. But before we start, I just want to share something. It's my birthday on Monday. And in honor of my birthday, instead of getting things, I want to do giveaways. So we are going to do a live giveaway right now during this show. So if you let me see how to do this here. 
If you type join exclamation into the live chat, it'll automatically enter you into the giveaway and you get a coffee mug, a cup, a magnet, a coaster, and an STS pin. So we are gonna do the giveaway during this live chat. So if you can hit join exclamation, that automatically enters you into the giveaway. And then before this live is over, we will announce the winner. So I just wanted to share that with you guys. So please do that if you are interested in getting some STS swag. And again, I was, I think, introducing myself. So really quickly, I am the COE, chief of everything. I'm also Joel's wife. We have three kids together. Oh, I'm sorry, exclamation point, then join. Okay, I'm a rookie. Sorry to everyone who just typed that in. <laughs> exclamation point then join um joel's tech skills are contagious which is scary since he has none <laughs> um but yeah so please enter the giveaway and again really quickly i just wanted to say a very very big thank you to everyone at sts nation we did hit a hundred thousand because each and every one of you guys believed in sts you guys watch the shows you hit the like buttons, you showed up day in and day out. And I know I posted some really uh, intense comment. I, I, I had a moment last night on Discord and I was messaging people, but I just wanted to take a minute to say thank you. It's not just a number for us. It's so much more than that. It really is personal. We used to work in news. We used to spend so much time away from our house, from our families, from each other. And this has really given us the opportunity to still do what we love but do it from home, do it with our loved ones. When Joel's dad was sick, Joel had the flexibility to be there. He didn't miss out. He was there with our kids. It really is so personal. So it's exciting to have 100,000 subs, but it's really exciting to see what this has become in the last year. So I just wanted to thank each and every one of you because it really is personal. It's more than just a YouTube show for us. It's It's family. It's a way of living our life and it's really given us so much freedom that we never knew was possible before so well said that's no. true yeah right. a huge congrats huge congrats yeah. well and same with all of you guys and you guys you guys are moms too like you get it you you're juggling a lot yes. you're journalists you have the shows and so when you support any of our shows when you watch any of our shows when you hit that like button whether it's for Gigi, for lauren for joel it really does make a difference so we appreciate you guys yeah, it resonates so much. Thank you. All right. So let's get to the topic now. We are talking all things Lori and Chad Daybell. And I have a confession. I did text Gigi and Lauren and I was like, hey, guys, I was like, I am definitely not an expert. But because they are, we can ask them anything and everything. Both of them spent, I believe, every single day covering Lori's trial. Yes. I, yes. I missed one day to take my daughter, daughter to see Taylor Swift in Atlanta. But other than that, I was there every day. Exactly. So, yeah. So, but just by a day. Yeah. Just a day. <laughs> um, so for those who are just joining other. us and haven't followed the case, do one of you guys want to give us a quick like two minute recap and then we can start to get into some questions and get everyone up to speed? Yeah. Let's see if I can do this. It's been, uh, it's been, you know, four years of, of, rabbit holes but here's here's testing my journalist skills let's see if i can do the cliff notes of the cliff notes of the cliff notes in a minute it is essentially a murderous spree across states because of doomsday beliefs so you have two dead spouses 
Lori Vallow's husband is killed in 2019, July 2019, uh, allegedly self-defense, but now she's been charged in his murder. Shortly after that, uh, two children, Lori's children go missing. And then shortly after that, you realize that she's uh, then Chad Daybell. He's somebody in Idaho. So Lori's in Arizona. Chad Daybell's in Idaho. Chad Daybell has been married for 30 years, and he's a doomsday author, LDS uh, Mormon father of five children. His wife dies. And then all of a sudden we learn that there's a wedding in Hawaii where Lori, the mother in Arizona with the, the miss, two missing children, is marrying Chad Daybell on the beach less than two weeks after his wife dies. Then it hits the media at the very end of 2019, December 2019, and it hits the media, the AP wire, because these children are missing. We need the public's help. And you know who else is missing? Chad Daybell and his new wife, who happened to be his mistress, is also missing. This newlywed couple is missing, and their spouses are dead, their previous spouses. So we need the public's help. That sets um, this entire um, horrible story into motion as far as publicity goes. And it was in June 2020 where the two children, Tylee and JJ, 16-year-old Tylee, 7-year-old JJ, brother and sister, are found buried in shallow graves in Chad Daybell's yard in uh, near Rexburg, Idaho. And uh, then they are charged finally. How long after they were charged? It was in 20. It was like months after that they were charged or a year after, right, Gigi? They're charged yeah, it was with, a little um, while. They, they were holding them on just uh, different charges. Lori had those uh, contempt actions for not producing the kids, but it did take a while. Like a, it was almost a year, I think, for murder charges. I was just like, what, what's the holdup? Right. And in the end, Lori Vallow is charged in first degree murder at JJ Tiley and Tammy, Chad Daybell's charge of first degree murder of JJ, Tammy Daybell, his wife, JJ, Tiley, and Tammy in, in Idaho. And then Lori Vallow separately is charged in Arizona with first degree murder in her husband, Charles Vallow's death. So we haven't even touched Arizona. We're just working on like Idaho right now. And the, the trial that Gigi and I attended was last year in Idaho where Exactly. May 12th, 2023, Lori is found guilty of first degree murder of JJ and Tylee, guilty of conspiring to commit the murders of JJ Tylee and Tammy Daybell and grand theft because she was collecting social security from the children. And then in July 31st, she sentenced to three life sentences without parole. Lori addresses courtroom and quotes Bible verses about how people shouldn't judge each other. And, and to add on to that great graphic, thank you to add on to that pretty much states that the child, no one was murdered in this case, that nobody understands that she was a great mother, pretty much implying that, you know, nearly five years later, she is still a believer in these in these doomsday beliefs that the world is ending. And maybe that was a big part I missed out on, Gigi. Maybe you can take that over, that there were these doomsday, crazy, wild beliefs surrounding all these murders that Lori seems to still adhere to. Yeah, she's still very much uh, thick in the woods with those beliefs from what I've heard. And I think, you know, the thing, too, that she kind of snuck in with that statement she made, which was there is such a thing as accidental overdoses or, um, you know, she kind of insinuated that perhaps with 
a couple of the victims that it wasn't murder. I don't know if you remember that part, but she, I mean, I was just so shocked. She was spewing all this nonsense and saying her dear friend, Tammy has visited her. And, and I remember Tammy Daybell's sister telling me, I don't know who visited her. It was not my sister. You know, it was just all so wackadoodle, but you know, from what I've heard, she's still very deep into these beliefs. And you know, if, if you watch her, she's not all there. I mean, I'm not excusing her. I'm not saying anything. There is definitely a mental health aspect to Lori Vallow that, you know, it's easy to say evil, but you also have to look at the fact that she has not broken this belief system in the years since she was arrested. There's it's such a combination of things at play there. Well, and it's yeah. interesting that you say that because I remember I obviously wasn't following the case as closely as, I mean, you guys were there in the, you know, in the midst of it all, but even just watching it, as a viewer at home watching all of the news coverage, I remember even when, even before she was charged and she was in Hawaii, right before she was arrested, I remember thinking like, what is this woman doing? Like her kids are missing. She's vacationing in Maui, having the time of her life. I remember Joel and I, wa Joel's here watching, so he's making me nervous. <laughs> I remember Joel and I watching the media coverage and just thinking like, if your kids were missing, I don't care if it's a year or three years or whatever. Like, would you just be frolicking around and then to watch the trial, see it all happen? And then this image here just completely stuck with me because I was thinking at any point in any trial related to your children's disappearance and murder, after all the details have come out, would you ever be smiling? Like, is there anyone you would be smiling at? I feel like I would be hysterically crying or upset or, you know, my head would be in my hands or whatever it may be. But when I see this image, I'm like, what would ever, what moment would it take for me to smile in court? And I, I don't think a normal person would ever react the way we're seeing her, her here in this photo. Lori certainly has captured the, the world's attention because of how she acts you know it, you know she's not as done up right here but this um previous to time behind bars she had bleach blonde hair she's fit she's thin she's attractive she always is smiling always is giggling and i think that's part of what drew you know the world in a little bit is how could this mother who looks like she might be the perfect mormon mother too you know from home videos just be smiling and carefree and not worried about her children. And this has never gone away, even at her sentencing. Her sentencing, she is sitting there saying, after the judge, you know, she is sitting there saying, there are no murders. My children are happy. They love me. I was a good mother. You guys don't understand. One day you will. It's it's wild. And that's the only Lori Vallow Daybell we've ever seen, ever. And this image here, it says, um, uh, there's a quote here from a juror who told the East Idaho News this. If there was a face to evil, it was hers. And Gigi, you you referenced this, but you said it's not just evil. There's a whole other level to Lori. And, yeah. and what about Chad as well? Well, I don't think Chad is much, to be honest with you. Um, Chad always seems, I mean, look, the dude's like one of those guys in Times Square that like stands still. And it's not until he jumps out to scare you that you realize it's not a statue. He's very he stoic. My screen freezes every time I see him on a hearing, and then he may blink like once every five minutes. But Lori's just very animated. She kind of walked in the courtroom every day like it was her on a runway. She would look in the crowd to see who was there. 
I mean, you know, but at the same time, you know, I want to kind of walk back on what I just said. I do think Lori has mental illness, but you can be mentally ill and culpable because when the kids were missing, she was giving very, very elaborate lies to investigators about the location of JJ with Melanie Gibb, with Charles. They all came up with this story of how it was self-defense. I totally believe Tylee was coerced and, you know, made to follow this story. I think when Lori left with Tylee after Charles was shot, that's the coaching maybe for what would come later, which would be those police interviews. But you can be mentally ill and still know what you did was wrong because otherwise Lori would have walked in the police station. Yeah, we shot Charles. He was a zombie. We did the world a favor. Instead, she gave this whole story, which in the end, none of their stories really matched up if you got down and looked at the at the meat of it. And so, so many missed balls, you know, it's it's sad to think what may not have happened if they would have seen that early on after Charles was murdered, you know, would they and, have been stopped? You know, it's just kind of a sad thought. And Lauren, you know, you and Judy, up- I want to get, oh wait, I want to get into some of the details, but first I just want to pull this up again. I know that you were referencing mm-hmm. it earlier, Lauren, but I just want to take a minute. I mean, we're moms. And even if you're not a mom, I just can't even imagine anything happening to my children, let alone something so dark and twisted, like in this case. So I just want to take a minute to remember Tylee and JJ. I mean, take a minute, really look at their faces, especially this photo that I chose. I mean, I feel like you can just feel their personalities and and like their sweet innocence here. And it just, it kills me to know that, that their lives ended the way they did and that we found out about it the way that we did. So I I do just want to take a minute to remember the victims. And we always talk about this, at least on our trial channel, so many times in these cases, it's the children that are victims. Obviously, in this specific case, they really were the victims. And and Chad still has other kids. Um, and so, so many, so many kids, so many family members are affected by this. And so many of us who are just watching at home are still, you know, years later in disbelief about what happened, especially to two young, innocent children. Thank you. Thank you for sharing that. It's, yeah. That's at the heart of Everything we do at Hidden True Crime is to remember these two victims, as well as Tammy Daybell and Charles Vallow, um, who both seemingly were not connected to any of these terrible beliefs either, and both tried to get help. It was very sad. You brought up yeah. you brought up Chad, um, and can I just say this? Because I think you know maybe we buried the lead. I think one of the most important things about this is yes, like Lori, Lori was sentenced. She will never get out. You know, three consecutive life sentences. Um, with no chance of parole. But Chad Daybell is still in jail. He has not had his trial. Her co-defendant, here he is, charged with three counts of murder and the death of his first wife, Tammy Daybell, death of his wife, Lori Ballow Daybell, children, seven-year-old Joshua J.J. Ballow, and 16-year-old daughter, Tylee Ryan. He is charged with conspiracy to commit murder in all three deaths, which includes conspiracy to commit grand theft by deception. And he was also the only one around, you know, when his wife, Tammy, died of allegedly natural charges. That's what it was at first until they exhumed her body um, months later and realized, yeah, no. But his trial is set for this April. And, you know, and, I think and there, we all want... Go ahead. Well, I was going to say, you guys have obviously been following it very closely. What, and, and I don't know if, you know, you know more details about this or this is more of a legal question, but what was the concern over Chad's attorney requesting to pretty much, you know, leave 
leave his position as his attorney. And then why why would the judge have a say in denying that? I feel like that's something that we don't usually see in many cases. I definitely think it was a strategy in that case. I speculated right when that came down. When the motion came down for Chad Daybell's longtime attorney who's been with him since 2020 to all of a sudden, months before the trial, you know, withdraw from the case, I thought, what is the strategy here? It said that Chad supported this and was okay and that he was working for free, even though put a you know pin in that he does own Chad's house um, in Rexburg, Idaho. It's not it's small, but he owns it. And uh, I thought, what is the strategy here? And my thought was to stall the case. You know, he, he's complaining he, that or, or to get rid of the death penalty. That was my thought. Uh, hashtag not an attorney, you know, hashtag <laughs> hashtag uh, armchair attorney right now. Um, and, and I think, in my opinion, though, that that sort of played out when they at the hearing, when they address this, is he going to withdraw his story? John Pryor is the attorney's name. His, and he attended every day of Lori's trial, too, checking things out. And uh, he let me know that I was really hard on Chad. But he, uh, he during the hearing, this seemed to be the case. He said, well, no, I want to still be his attorney, but I haven't had help, and I'm not ready, and this is ridiculous, and I'm working night and day. And I feel like the judge sort of chastised him and said, what are you, what are you talking about? Um get to work. And uh, if you want to still be his attorney, then why are we here? Uh, Gigi, what was your take, though? I, you know, I've never talked to you about this. This is the most recent update. And I thought for a minute, honestly, that, that we weren't going to see a trial again in April. Luckily, we are. I'm still planning on attending. But what was your thought when you heard all of this? Yeah, I mean, I didn't think it was just simply that he wanted off the case because when he said that he wanted to stay on the case, I was like, wait, what? I mean, isn't that kind of like the opposite of what you filed? I kind of wonder if down the road it's not going to be some sort of an argument for ineffective counsel. He's not death certified. Um, is it going to be that, hey, we asked for um, more time because I'm a one man show as he's been since, you know, he was hired. It's nothing new. Um, you know, is it something to ultimately see if they can get death off the table? I don't know. But it, I mean, it clearly wasn't why he filed the motion because he, he's, he said in court the opposite. So who knows? I mean, look, it's no question that, like you say, Pryor was there every day. And I watched Pryor during key moments in testimony, especially when you get into these, you know, text messages that, or, or emails that seem like they're probably between high schoolers. You know, they're testing out how to be sexy. And it's just, it's cringeworthy. And his face would turn red when he was watching this jury because it's just so juvenile. And it's just not what grown adults that have kids that know how all of it works would text each other. It's, you know, were they really that shielded? Lori wasn't. This was husband number five. Lori's been around the block and then around the block and around the block, you know, a few times. But Chad, I think, you know, he's been with Tammy for decades and I think when Lori came out with her little charming self that she can turn on, that was it for Chad. They were like firing gasoline. Chad thought he was a prophet. He told Lori she was a chosen one. And bam, that was it. The fuse was lit. She always wanted to be something bigger. She competed in these pageants for attention. She was on Wheel of Fortune. You know, so I think that what Chad fed her just inflated that ego so much that she really thought she was chosen and nothing she did on this earth was gonna, you know, it wasn't gonna matter because she was Lori Vallow, chosen one by Chad Daybell, the ex-brother of Jesus in a past life. I just want to give a quick shout out to Dwayne Harris for gifting five surviving the survivor memberships and also to, also to Space Coast 
who didn't have to do that. He he always gifts memberships and he really doesn't have to, but we appreciate you. He's part of our STS team. So um, when our mods or our team members give out memberships, it's not because we ask them to, it's just because they're doing it out of the kindness of their heart. So thank you so much. I do have so many questions and I am finally going to learn how to figure this out. So let's see if I can pull up these questions for you guys. All right, Alligator Ashley wants to know, does she still talk to Chad? As far as I know, they have not been talking. Um, there was speculation that they could, but last I heard from a very reliable source, uh, no. I've heard the same. You know, she emailed me. Yes. Lori. Oh, I, I remember oh. you said that. Yeah. So tell yeah. us about that. Well, okay. So uh, I did not have getting scammed by Lori Vallow while she was in solitary on my bingo card for 2023, but it happened. So I use JPay, which is a, a, a service that a lot of prisons use for communication, like emailing your loved ones. And um, I had a contact that was on JPay, but they switched their services over to Securus. So I had all these stamp credits on JPay that I would use to email my contact. So I opened up JPay for the first time in months, three messages from Lori Vallow asking for media money. So I said, okay, I'll send her like five stamps and bite. You know, she had to add me. So she knew who I was apparently. And I said, hey, you know, I talked to the, some of the family members. I was like, should I, should I respond? They're like, yeah, why not? You know, we all wanted to know really what the deal was with her and Chad. But she took my stamps and never responded. So there you go. That's my Lori Vallow story. Uh, she did she, email me twice after that, and I didn't send her any more stamps. And when I see her oh. again in Arizona, I'll stand up and be like, excuse me, I want the stamps back, woman. <laughs> Don't send her any more stamps because I have uh, an addition to your story that I haven't told you. So I'll okay. share it here for the first time. Okay. Uh-oh, Lori's hustling You everyone. should feel special. She did know who you were. So I talked to somebody who talked to Lori and they told me that she told them that she did see you and didn't want to talk to you, but then took your stamps. Well, yeah, she did. <laughs> I so what Valor. I'm saying is what I'm saying confirmed, but here's the thing. What I think is most interesting about this is she knew and she knew who you were and she knew that she did that. That's what's yeah. interesting. You want to know who Lori Vallow is? There you go. There you She's go. like, Drifting oh, I know Gigi confinement. Look, she would give me these little weird waves, you know, like she'd go, hi. And I'd be like, I didn't want this to be was labeled during art, the trial. You know? I was like, yeah, see, there's, you, there's you, your this tea, was though. during the trial? Yeah, there no, were times. After, what? right? After. Oh, oh, no, the stamps were after. But like at trial, there were no, times. The waves. Where, you know, the, one time I was sitting behind her investigator brandon who's a great guy brandon hobbs cool dude um we've all kept in touch after the trial and um anytime i was sitting near brandon she would look over and smile and wave and it just sends a shiver up your spine you know it's anytime i'm in a courtroom with anybody i was in with jody arias the colorado theater shooter when you make eye contact with somebody who is accused of doing such brutal things it is very surreal and it just, it was no different with Lori and even more because I've grown to love Kay and Larry Woodcock, like members of my own family. And so there's a little bit more of a personal aspect with this trial. And um, yeah, it's just weird. It's very, very weird. And after right. sitting in that trial and listening and watching and seeing all the evidence, 
seeing how it all played out and now knowing that Chad, well, actually I'll, I'll take Molly's mom's question, Lauren and Gigi, what are your predictions for Chad's future? But what do you think after seeing everything that happened with Lori, what do you guys think is going to happen with Chad? Are you expecting it to be a very different experience, a different trial, a different outcome? You know, so first off, I want to say, I think Chad's trial is very, very important. And here's why. And, and it, I think that we're covering why Lori has gotten more attention. She's more charismatic. She's interesting. She's the mother of, you know, she's a mother that allowed this to happen to her children. It's, it's, this is a horrible, horrible, sick thing. But Chad is so important because, so, uh, our, our, when we started our Beyond the Veil series on our podcast, that's how we started our podcast too, is during the pandemic. And we opened up our laptop and recorded on two mics and my husband is a forensic psychologist and nobody knew anything about the case, really. I mean, I didn't, right? There were no FOIA docs yet, right, Gigi? And we opened up in, um, it was, we recorded our first episode actually before the children's bodies were found. And I, I opened, I, I started the podcast episode with Kay, John, Dr. John, my husband. I want to know about Lori. Why would Lori do this? And he said, before we get to Lori, this is our first podcast episode. Before we get to Lori, we need to talk about Chad. We need to talk about Chad. And from there, he said, Chad's belief system in who Chad is really, really needs to be explored before we understand who Lori is. And we ended up doing like the first four podcast episodes on Chad. And since that time, uh, and, and my husband appeared on Sins of Our Mother, the Netflix documentary. You can watch him there. And we've been on two Dateline episodes now about this case. I watched those, by the way. Oh, well, you know I'm about this case. I'm a fan, more yeah. Than, more than, <laughs> than you realize. I think that this belief system is so important to this case. And this belief system starts with Chad. He is the author. He's this doomsday author. Lori and her many friends would go to Chad. He would speak at these doomsday conferences. He would tell, he was the one that told Lori that her husband was a zombie. And look, I am not dismissing Lori. Like, we, you know, thank goodness, thank God the justice was served when it came to Lori and that she'll never get out of prison again. That's that's the only right justice there. But, but you know, they're like a match and, and gasoline. And what we saw, tell me if you agree, Gigi, during Lori's trial is just all that evidence that shows just how much Chad had to do with this murderous spree in some ways we we joke at our house that he's this accidental cult leader he's the most uncharismatic you know someone asked Gigi to do her impersonation of him uncharismatic guy slow speaker you know we have the speech on our channel that he gave at Lori Vallow the day he met Lori Vallow and no one could even watch it like you'd think that everyone would want to watch that you're like oh my gosh we've had the speech he gave the day he met Lori people are like I can't even get through it he's so boring he's oh, yeah. so boring and so, so we're all focused on Lori because she's more interesting, but, but Chad Dable had so much to do with these bizarre motives and this belief system. And yes, I agree with, I agree with Gigi that Lori's mentally ill. And in many ways, I'm like, did he just take advantage of a mentally ill woman? And, and yeah, she has a personality disorder too, according to her sentencing, you know, she's probably a psychopath, but, but um, I just... So, so going back to this question, like what, what do I predict for his trial? First off, it was a wild ride being at Lori's trial and it wasn't televised. This one is going to be televised. And there was so much evidence that they showed with Chad and Lori. I, I get why they were co-defendants. They, Did they, they are, say why they changed that? 
It was legal. So so Chad waived his right to a speedy trial and Lori didn't. So hands were forced. In the end, okay. hands were forced. Um, but but what it was so shocking what we heard at trial. And yeah, we played the audio after, but this being televised, I think people's jaws are gonna drop. So what's my prediction? I think people are going to be blown away at this evidence. You've never seen anything like this. And, and, like the stuff that they were showing in court every day. Like yeah. I thought I knew everything about the case, reading thousands and thousands of pages of discovery. I think people's minds are going to be blown. And I think we saw a lot of the evidence. Wouldn't you agree, Gigi, that we saw a lot of the evidence already that they have? Oh, yeah. And I'll tell you, one one piece of evidence that stuck out to me was the, the body cam footage of when they served her in Hawaii with those papers to produce the kids in five days. And you have Lori in this teeny bikini and they're sunbathing by the pool and they hand her the paperwork and she kind of looks at it and then she stops and looks up at the cop for like a solid five seconds in a really weird way. And then she continues reading it, looking totally unbothered. All the while, Chad's like stretching his neck, trying to look at those papers. He eventually like inches over. But the difference is she was calm as a cucumber to where you always see in key moments that we know about where Chad definitely is the more nervous one. Melanie Gibbs said when he called when they were looking for JJ, Lori was fine, cool, no big deal. Chad seemed nervous. You know, so I think that that speaks a lot. You may have that influence on Chad, but I think Lori really was kind of the grounding factor in all this because she was able to remain calm and not get that nervous nature to where Chad, I mean, come on, man, this dude's like in, you know, khakis up to his belly button and tucked in plaid shirts and a bad buzz cut for years in people's living rooms preaching this stuff. And you do know, we know, where, uh, Michelle is asking, Michelle Kavarnos is asking, are Lori and Chad still legally married? Do we know? Yes. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Mm -hmm. Yes, they are. Yeah. And I think he's going to throw her under the bus, unlike Lori. I mean, Lori did not want Chad thrown under the bus or her dead brother, Alex, who they call the family hitman. And it really, and, and mental illness was not allowed to be brought in. So, you know, Lauren, I don't know how much you talked to Archibald or Thomas, but they're really nice guys. Um, they, they, you know, they knew the odds were not in their favor and it wasn't going to be by default with how this case folded out in the media with the, with the Hawaii footage and all that. But like Lauren, you think you know this case and then you sit in there for six weeks and there's all these little nuggets that you're like, whoa, wow. Okay. Like never would have thought that, you know, just sitting in there and, and listening and, and seeing the evidence. What were you most taken aback by? Was it like the details in terms of like written details of the evidence? Was it images? Was it just like the brutality of it? For um, me, the for me, go ahead, Gigi. Oh, sorry. I, I think I got a little delay on my end. Uh, the crime scene photos were the worst for me because it really brings home what this is all about, which is J.J., Tylee, and Tammy being brutally murdered. And it was something I struggled with for a few weeks after coming home, after seeing those photos. I've seen, I used to work in a morgue, so seeing dead bodies is not a new thing for me, but to know why they were killed and then just to see this innocent little seven-year-old who has autism you know, the way he was discarded and then Tylee, there was nothing super identifiable about her at all. It was, you know, I mean, not to get gross, but it was just charred flesh and bone. And with Tammy, you know, Tammy looked peaceful in a sense to me, but then you had that blood kind of like lightning strike. You know, it kind of came 
down and, and branched off, it, it, just seeing their faces really drove home to me the evil um, that killed them. And so for me, that was the word. In fact, I was five seconds from going live on Cuomo, ripped my mic off and poor Shanley Painter within five feet of her. I just went and threw up. It just that day really manifested in me just in a way that it, it, at the end of that day, I was just spent and I just got sick all over the front of the courthouse. It's, uh, hopefully there were no security cameras. Yeah. Jill is dying to be in this podcast. <laughs> Tell him to come join. Tell him to go get on another computer and come join us. Yeah. Joel, uh, do you want to sit next to me? Do you want to sit on my lap? <laughs> um, yeah, I would agree with um, Gigi. And yeah, a trigger warning. I think the brutality in, in both uh, visuals and what I heard. So a couple things. Um, so yeah, trigger warning, because this is like, you know, Gigi and I know like the day, in fact, I'll, I'll tell this story. Um, there was one day in court where they showed, uh, the autopsy photos of Tylee and JJ. And it was, so again, trigger warning, cause this is, I'm, I'll just say it as it is the journalist, um, in me, I'll explain the whole, it was so heavy. There wasn't, you couldn't hear anything in court except for tears. Um, at one moment, Lori asked to be, it was the one day she showed emotion and it wasn't her crying over photos. It was her asking to be uh, dismissed from court because she didn't think she needed to sit through this and have the jury look at her. And so there was a, a recess for about an hour because, you know, heaven forbid, Lori had to see these photos, the mother. Um, of course, the judge said, no, you're sitting through this. You could hear Larry Woodcock, JJ's grandfather, just absolutely sobbing. Um, you could hear JJ's brothers. Um, his his brothers were there. There are two brothers. Charles had two sons um, just sobbing. And everyone was just heavy. And I'll never forget um, seeing the picture of JJ, who um, he had duct tape from one side all the way to the other, covering his mouth. And it was at that moment, like, I think everyone was like, well, maybe he was drugged. Well, maybe like, we're always hoping like these, like maybe it was painless. Maybe, you know, they just, like you just hope for all these things. You know, he was, he was found like a mummy in, in bandages of duct tape, like mum, mummified in duct tape. And so he was pretty preserved because he was in the, the winter underground in Rexburg. And so you could see him very clearly. You could see his little beautiful seven-year-old face and duct tape all the way. And I thought, why do you put duct tape? That was the only duct tape on his face, on a child's face. And it's to make it so they don't scream. And I think it was like that moment, everyone just realized the brutality. Like this wasn't just like, let's get rid of kids because we don't want them anymore. This is like, we're going to be very, very, very cruel to these children. And you know that their last moments were horrendous and to this day we still don't know how Tylee was killed because of how brutalized her body was that her you know school was found in you know I'll stop but um so that was that was overwhelming and then that day just so you guys know too Kay Woodcock the grandmother who who left court that day and wasn't there wisely she made Gigi and I dinner that night like she mm -hmm. that's what she did for us and we were there for dinner she made us dinner um 
And then I think hearing texts like these things were in discovery, but, and this is, I think this is like a great example of just how intertwined Chad and Lori were. And, and let me explain this too. If, if Adam Cox, sorry, not Adam, excuse me, Adam, excuse me. If Alex Cox, Adam is a brother who has a podcast and talks about Lori and he really tried to help the case. If Alex Cox, who is now deceased, that's Lori's brother, there would be three co-defendants. They do believe that Alex, it's implied that Alex was likely the hitman for all of the murders. And, and he he's also dead. We didn't mention that. So, so there would have been three co-defendants here, but one of them's dead. But there are text exchanges between Lori and Chad talking about um, labeling children zombies that aren't JJ entirely, other children. And Chad's saying to turn up their pain, turn down their pain tolerance and turn up their pain to like get zombies out. Like they're texting about this, like Lori's other nieces and nephews, like that are still alive and still okay. But they're like, this is a conversation these two lovers are having while in an affair. Like let's well, turn honestly, down these children's pain tolerance. Lauren, I think that's why I I watched the news coverage, but I never wanted to like dive deeply into this case because I remember even just with like, you know, a 90 second news piece, the details were so disturbing. We're talking about children and, and, and just, I remember like hearing and seeing quick images. And I, I remember seeing some images of the tape and I remember hearing you know, the really, really gruesome stories and details. And whenever I even saw like print stories about it, I was like, I don't, I don't even want to know all the details because it, it's so, so, so disturbing. I mean, I have a daughter that just turned eight now and I'm like, wow, like, like he was my daughter's age and I, I can't even visualize how anyone would do anything remotely close to that to a child, let alone, let alone to two. And then of course, you know, to see, to see how they were found so much time, so, so much longer, um, after it all happened. I mean, it, it's just, it's beyond disturbing. And I think, I know many of you guys have been in true crime for a long time. I was only in news. And so you, you sort of were picking and choosing what cases you were covering or which stories you were assigned to. But I remember this specific case. I, I just, I didn't want to know the details because it's, it's hard. It's hard to see that and it's hard to listen to it. And I will be watching the trial for Chad, but I, I do think for the average person, it, you know, we have not heard it all. We have not seen it all. And as you guys both just described, it is going to be really tough. Yeah. And I probably should have given you a trigger warning. And I also know that maybe what I said was too much. And, and I also understand if you edit this after, just so you know, because yeah, I'm sorry. I should have given that trigger warning. No, no. I mean, li you, listen, but I also don't want to, I also don't want to under, under like i want justice for these children so badly and i also don't want to minimize you know what happened to them either because there's there's a reason Gigi and i both have been covering this case for four and a half years and i know Gigi, like we talk about all the time it's, it's about justice like and i don't ever want this to happen to anyone else and so i've delved deep into like personally like the doomsday beliefs you know people keep saying can we stop with what they believe and i'm like no because there's still people out there that cling on to these beliefs. And, and I never, ever want to see another, this happen to another child again. It's like why, you know, John and I haven't been able to let go of this case. Well, Lauren, I know, I know you and John 
uh, spent four episodes on Chad, but what about you, Gigi? Uh, Patty R is asking, do you think that Lori was the brains behind the murders and Chad more of a follower? Do you think things sort of progress differently? Do you think Chad has a lot more to do with it than Lori? What's your take? Honestly, I think it's probably 50-50. Whoever came up first with it, I don't know that that matters so much as they were both on board until the end. And, you know, I, I, I agree with Lauren. The one picture of JJ, just trigger warning, that haunted me was, do you remember that picture where his whole face was in duct tape? I mean, it, it, you could see hair, but from here to here it was duct tape, like his entire face. And then they peel back the progression of how they did in the morgue of how they mm -hmm. uh, just you know started uncovering him that one haunted me so bad because it was like they took away his identity they took away his face it was like the one they were all horrible the one across the mouth but that one where it was just silver from here to here that one gave me nightmares because they just totally erased him in a visual sense now of course that was uncovered and then you see like you say jj very identifiable but um and, and i don't think they'll show those photos on tv there were some autopsy photos we weren't allowed to see that only the jury got to see um at their monitors they in fact the bailiff was watching the media to make sure we weren't trying to peek but there were some that were just too gruesome that they didn't even show the gal where we were sitting um they just you know, I mean, they literally had to turn their monitor so nobody could peek. If that gives you any idea of what we didn't see. And I have a lot of belief that's probably with Kylie because her body was so mutilated and, and just ravaged by fire. Um, then you see that little charm that was found in the fire, the necklace nearby or vice versa. Right. It, you know, it's just yeah. the thing for me is like the last moments of, of, of both their lives, I'm sure. We don't know how Tylee was killed, but I'm Tylee was 16 years old. She wasn't helpless as a six-year-old, as helpless as JJ. He could be easily restrained. But, you know, what haunted me too was the fact that JJ, you know, Kay will tell you, JJ was in love with his mom, Lori. Like he loved his mommy and to think the last things he saw on this earth were people that he loved and trusted taking him out of this world. Like I just, it, it, it's been a lot harder than I ever thought it would be to process what we learned in those six weeks in that courtroom. Well, and hopefully we don't ever have to do that again, you know, obviously for those of us that didn't see any of the evidence and didn't experience that trial the first time we will with Chad's case, but hopefully there aren't, there are, as Lauren was saying, there are no more cases like this because it really, I mean, the details are just unfathomable. They really are. But you looked um, just a few months ago at Blaze Thibodeau. I think, you know, the if there's any silver lining to come out of this is that authorities took that very seriously, very quickly, and Blaze was found unharmed. So where, Blaze was another 16-year-old boy from Arizona who uh, whose mother took him because of doomsday beliefs and Arizona police acted swiftly this time around Good. and they found him. Yeah. And, and a quick question know, from, so, uh, Oh no, sorry. Go ahead. Go ahead Gigi. No, I have a slight delay on my end. I'm sorry. I'm going to wait like two seconds before I answer. <laughs> no, no, no. All good. Uh, a quick question from rabbit. I know that you guys obviously were both very uh, close with the Woodcocks. You got to know them. You got to see them during the trial. Have you guys kept in touch with them? And do we know how they're doing now? 
They're going to see it through the end. Yeah, they're hanging in there. They they want justice. They plan to be at Chad's trial every day. So not just Lori's, but also Chad's. They want to see justice. Um, I think they're, you know, they're ready to be able to close this chapter of their lives. They're hanging in there. They have dedicated themselves to making sure that they see justice through for for JJ, um, JJ, Charles, Tammy, Tylee. Uh, one thing, too, is they become very close to other victims. I know that they're close to some of Tammy Daybell's family, and they've become close to even some members um, of Chad Daybell's family, you know, Heather and Matt Daybell, and they've really opened themselves up to to many people in hopes to understand and to also, so not just, you know, seek justice, but I think they've really, really tried to understand and to have conversations and to learn what happened. Uh, they, they, so just so you know, they actually had custody of JJ from birth. JJ was given to them. They were his guardians and, and they, you know, and then he went to Kay's brother, Charles and Lori to raise so that he could have, JJ could have siblings and um, parents with more energy. And, and so that's their connection to this case. And they're the ones that sounded the alarm and requested the welfare check. Yeah, but they're doing good. I, I spoke to them earlier uh, last weekend and, you know, as good as can be expected. I think the big thing for them is that with Chad's trial coming up and then you have Lori, you know, coming up at some point, likely in September, the judicial side of this finally will be over for them. And then they can try to find their normalcy without all the legal proceedings hanging over their head. And, you know, the media kind of will get quiet once all of this wraps up. So I, I really think they're looking forward to that normalcy that comes with this being out of the headlines on a regular basis. Um, you know, it's a lot there. You're you're grieving on a world stage and it's hard enough to grieve privately. But, you know, you got the eyes of the world on you. And um, so, yeah, I think they're just ready for the judicial side to wrap up and and then they move on and, and heal the best way they can, although it'll never be the same. No, I mean, how could it be? That, right. That's the thing with all of these cases, and I mean, especially in this case, how, how can you ever move on from something like this? How can you ever heal? I don't think there's any healing ever in any kind of loss, but especially in this case. I mean, I, I can't even imagine. And what about uh, Rosemary Romero is asking about Chad's kids. Do you guys know or do you think they're going to attend Chad's trial? I do not believe that they are going to attend Chad's trial. Uh, I do believe that they still stand by their dad to this day. Um, in some ways, I can understand. I was a little bit more understanding a few years ago. No one wants to believe that their dad is responsible for killing their mother. You know, I think they still believe that their mother, Tammy, 49-year-old Tammy Daybell, died of natural causes. And I've heard as much that they also believe that there is, you know, after all the evidence was laid out at Lori's trial, you think surely maybe some of them are cracking and, and maybe some of them are. But I also have heard from a few reliable sources that they might even believe that um, Rexburg police... And Lori and many others are working to frame their father, Chad. Um, I don't think Chad, I'm curious what Gigi thinks about this, but so this is me speculating and I'd love to know if Gigi disagrees or agrees. I don't think that Chad would want them at the trial because he doesn't want them to hear 
the evidence. And, and I'm going to go a little bit further because I think I still speculate about a plea deal. I mean, we could see a plea deal. We could all travel out there for trial and then the first day learn that he took a plea deal because the death penalty is on the table. But one reason I think that he won't take a plea deal is um, he'd have to like admit to like, he'd have to take responsible for Tammy's death. And I think he doesn't want to do that, his wife's death, you know, for his children. And I think he's really going to say, don't attend, um, stay away. And I don't think that they'll have any plans. Of course, I think that one of his children, at least one of them, if not two of them, uh, Garth Daybell, his oldest, will probably be subpoenaed and, okay, Gigi's agreeing, on the witness stand because he was there when Chad found Tammy, da found Tammy Daybell, his wife, dead, his mother, and he allegedly helped move a body, his mother's body, and called 911, and they waited for a few hours. So I think we'll see Garth Daybell, at least Garth, on the witness stand, and but whether or not they'll be attending all day, I don't know. But but that's all speculation and opinion, and I could be wrong, and I'd love to know what Gigi thinks about that. Yeah, I don't really see them attending. And, and if they do, I don't think it'll be on a regular basis. You know, Chad wants cameras in the courtroom for this. He specifically asked this be televised for a family that can't make it. And I'm thinking, why would you want your family to see your middle school text to your girlfriend? I think so Pryor cringy. wanted it televised personally. I think that yeah, was Pryor, Pryor personally. Yeah. Yeah. But no, I don't really see Chad's kids coming. You know, they did that. I believe it's 2020 where um, I think all but maybe one were on there. And, and that was a a couple of years ago, I've heard maybe one isn't quite as supportive of Chad as they used to be, but nothing confirmed. Good to hear. But you, we don't know how these kids were, were raised. I mean, you know, you don't ever want to think somebody you love, especially a parent, would be capable. And so you combine that with whatever beliefs that they were brought up with, then it, it could just be a perfect storm to where they're never going to be convinced. Even if they had a video of Chad committing the crimes, they'll say, oh, no, that's AI. You know what I'm saying? They'll find an excuse because maybe the truth is just too painful for them to accept that the man that raised them their whole life that they looked up to was capable of that. So maybe just denial is is self-preservation in a way. I, I don't get it, but I'm not. And Gigi, what about what about this from La Mesa Filipino Food Club? How many of Chad's adult children are on the witness list for Chad's upcoming trial? Do we know? And are are they being asked at all to be on the witness list? Like Lauren said, I think Garth, if anybody, because he was there when Tammy was found, and there's been some conflicting stories of what happened after her body was found, a couple of different versions. Um, you know, apparently after Tammy was deceased, she rolled off the bed because that happens all the time. You know, when people are deceased, they roll off the bed. So, yeah, there's been some discrepancies there. And I think Garth, definitely, uh, if any of his kids will be on the witness list, I don't know that anybody else would be because they weren't directly connected to any of these events other than Garth being there the night Tammy was killed. I could see maybe Emma for this reason. Uh, Tammy Daybell allegedly was taking Zumba classes and working to run a marathon. And I could see them maybe calling Emma, who attended those Zumba classes with her, Although Emma has also stated that she was getting sick and feeling sleepy and uh, was really, really sick leading up to, you know, Tammy's death. And Emma seems like the most um, loyal to her father. So I could also see them not 
using her for those reasons. But I think that if, if Emma was on the witness stand, that's the oldest daughter of Chad, it might be to maybe understand some of his beliefs. She seemed to be really kind of participating in those beliefs a bit too, or Zumba classes with Tammy to understand. And they her, worked together at the, at the school and too. They, oh, they were co-workers. Thank you. You're right. They yeah. worked together. And she's the one that said that, that she saw pink foam coming from her mother's mouth as well to people that she worked at the school with. So you're right, Gigi, you're right. Yeah. So, so I think definitely Garth, Emma's a baby. I don't know if any others. Uh, I'm with you. Maybe Emma. Yeah. Who knows? Cause she was with her mom the most. I mean, That's but then right. you also have, you know, um, you also have and Tammy's Emma's parents. How old, Gigi? Uh, she's probably early thirties. I mean, she still lives in the house. Her mother was killed and the kids were found. Yeah. With her with children. Her and husband. And yeah. Oh, wow. All of Chad's children are um, now adults. Yeah, they're all adults. And in fact, one of them was on a mission to, was it South Africa when Tammy was killed and didn't even get to come back for her funeral. But, you know, mm -hmm. we've heard that Chad was raiding people at the funeral. He was raiding people dark and light at Tammy's funeral. So for people that don't, yeah. want, don't know what that means, can you give us a quick explainer of this whole dark versus light? Categori categorization or you know I, I don't know what it's called but Gigi do you um, want to take that away well I'd, I'll just say this if you look at their light dark scales it definitely is a reflection of probably who Lori liked and who Lori didn't like and who Lori didn't trust um her her brother was dark of course Adam you know was working with Charles to try to have an intervention interestingly enough her mom was low on that list but you know you saw over time it was highly um, on the list, JJ was listed as like a light, if you remember that. And Charles was listed as light at one point on the original list that he sent to Lori when she asked to rate her family. It's very bizarre. Um, I'm going to pull this up now. Um, but so if you were light, that means that you were a good spirit. And if you were dark, you were a zombie. And, uh, you know, that, that this probation or whatever, you were evil. And the only way to kill the the zombie is to kill the body so uh like for example colby Lori's son who she adored um he he was um wow on this one is a three summer was a three light which means she was a, a very high light figure um sister. these are all yeah that's Lori's sister sorry that's the journalist in you correcting me because the one thing they always tell me not correcting just adding. adding not correcting just adding, just adding. Uh, <laughs> elaborating but, elaborating but like Kay, yeah, Kay Woodcock was dark because Kay Woodcock was questioning where is my grandson um so yeah it's very bizarre but um they have one of Charles's sons as a three dark which would be a very dark entity but on this list fourth husband Charles Vallow is a three light it, it it makes no sense as time went on and they got mad at people then of course they turned dark and they became zombies because they were in their way like Kay did like the kids did JJ and Tylee you know it wasn't long after Charles's murder that that Lori started calling Tylee Hillary which was the name of the entity that was inside her you know so it's it, it to me I think the list really just reflects who Lori doesn't like like Colby's wife was dark because we always heard that Lori never liked Colby's wife. So for me, it's just like kind of those slam books you had in high school where you, you know, here's the people that are good. Here's the people that are bad. And it's just, you know, all the people you don't like on the bad side. This stupid. Agreed. This, stupid. Uh, this, 
this light and dark scale, though, um, was created by Chad. He states um, in his autobiography that he had a near-death experience where he jumped off a cliff um, and into a body of water, and he his body separated from his spirit, and when it connected, the veil on his brain uh, was was torn, meaning the, that he could see that, that he believed in a veil, this tangible veil over a brain that God puts on you so you don't remember your pre-mortal existence or you know know what's going on in the heavens, but his veil was ripped. And at that moment, he could see beyond the heavens and the earth, and he became a visionary. And then he started going around his town of Rexburg and raiding people light or dark, meaning good versus evil. And he would actually state he had a, like a decimal point system too, just to make it more scientific. You were like a 3.1 or a 5.4. And if you were um, a 4.1 light or a 4.1 dark at that moment, you can't go back and forth like your fate is sealed. And like two days after meeting Lori Vallow, he sent Lori uh, an email that said, here is the family history you suggested that's what Gigi was reading from. And I agree with Gigi. It's just people she liked and didn't like. She clearly let him know. But he he sends it back an email and says, here's the family history you requested. And he rates her entire family and Lori light or dark. And he labeled Tylee Ryan a 4.1 dark, meaning like her fate is sealed because she's she's her her own, you know, daughter, 16-year-old daughter was dark at that moment or was she even 15 then she might have even been 15 it was 2018 so um so chad started doing that um throughout their circles let's call this like a subculture of like doomsday visionary near-death experience prepper um mormons it, it, it would be like a subgroup of mormonism i want to clarify it's not like your average teachings in the Church of Jesus Christ yeah. of Latter-day Saints, but they were members of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. And there was this like subgroup kind of believing in this stuff. And within this subgroup, he started to be known for labeling people light and dark and for also telling people who they were in past lives. Like it's type of reincarnation, something else that the LDS Church doesn't teach, but the, the subgroup started teaching it, um, and it's like a type of reincarnation. They were all famous people in past lives, and so he started telling people with a pendulum who they were in their past lives, and his pickup line for Lori, I can't get over this, his pickup line when he met Lori Vallodable at this doomsday conference called Preparing a People, where he was a speaker and selling his books, she comes up to the table and he says, you know what? We were married in a past life, and she's like, really take oh me now <laughs> murder my children in a few months like it actually worked like if someone came up to me and said that i'd be like you'd be like yeah i'm not gonna talk to you anymore <laughs> moving on <laughs> yeah and and you know what he said that to a lot of women and yeah it allegedly really worked on Lori, and she was like oh okay and so like then they started saying that you were Elena like so like in some of the letters and texts she's Elena and he's James and they're all these famous people and they were best friends with Jesus and I mean so I guess what I'm saying is I'm laying the foundation for these really bizarre beliefs that play a big part of the trial and that's why I think I want to talk about him is because you go into that trial I remember sitting next to Brian Anton and he was like Okay. But by the way, I met Lauren through Brian Enton. I love Brian. Yes. Uh, 
Love Brian. And fun fact, all of us here that you see on the screen have all at some point or another worked for News Nation as well, which is where Brian yes. Edmonds <laughs> works. So uh, if you're Love not following that. Brian, follow him. Yes, He's absolutely. I was watching what he was doing today in South Florida. It's wild right now. I think that's yeah. a case we'll all be following, by the way. Put a pin in that. Um, a missing woman in Spain uh, from Florida. Um, yeah, so I just think, I just laying the foundation, Chad had this very odd belief system that uh, I would say a substantial group of people were starting to believe, especially Lori, because... Um, you know, she was already primed for it and she'd already read all of his books. And so, yeah, that this this light and dark scale was a part of it. This living in past life was a part of it. And then he threw in, uh, oh, yeah, you can become a zombie and you need to be killed. So. And Lauren and Gigi, and do way, we I was know? brother of Jesus. I mean, seriously, that's like a pickup line. You know, I was the brother of Jesus in a past life and it's like, oh my God, you were? Let me follow you. It, it just I blows my mind. I call you. it a band of this you know, these people, it's not even, it's like a mini cult. It's a band of misfits. It seems like people that had no foundation in family or anybody to ground them or hold them accountable. And like, Lori, so can you close the you, door, please? <laughs> if you look back at Lori's past with uh, how she, Lori has never, you go, you got this. Um, Lori's never been held accountable for anything in her life. Like nothing. She has been enabled right. with Joe Ryan you know, everybody just took her at what she said. And if you dive into, and I talked to Tom Ware, who was Tylee's guardian for four hours. He said they knew Tylee was being coached. You know, they never had any doubt that, that this was encouraged by Lori as really just a way to get Tylee away from Joe completely. But Lori just was never called out by anybody. She was enabled. And so this is the first time in Lori's life that she's actually been held responsible for anything she's done. And, and she did the worst, but it took this long for the judicial system had to come in and say, whoa, like you're a bad person. You don't need to be with society. You know, what she did before didn't equal criminal. Although, you know, um, nobody ever thought Tylee was abused. And, and with Colby, they do believe he was abused. And that's not for me to, to even begin to dissect. That's his story, not mine. But as far as Tylee went in the allegations against her, um, at one point, Tylee was in counseling with Tom and or with them. And they were talking to Tylee and, and, and Tylee said something and turned to Lori and says, see, mom, I told you I told them what you told me to say. And so you see little glimpses of that where, you know, she's four years old. She's saying things that are really beyond what she should know in her little four year old brain unless she's being coached. So Lori's always been selfish. It's just it got worse over time. And um, and here we are. And as we look ahead to Chad's trial, I know you guys were just talking about the subculture. Is there anyone from that subculture of his people that we expect will show up for him? Or at this point, has has that world just completely been dismantled and it's, you know, everyone's dispersed? Or is there still a core group of people that are supporting him and showing up strong for him? Great question. So this is where I've deep dives uh, because of my background um, in being LDS uh, and I've attended the conferences. Like that's how much I like want to understand this. Like what are these beliefs? And so I've attended these um, conferences that they would all go to. And I've talked to a lot of people that knew them. So this subgroups, first off the subgroup still exists. I think that's why I think I'm always trying to bring up the beliefs too. this subgroup and these beliefs still exist. For the most part, they have all disowned Chad. 
that they didn't know he was a bad guy. The consensus says he took it too far. Some people still strongly believe he had gifts and that he was indeed a visionary. I've interviewed people on my channel, like a friend, um, who still to this day even believes that Chad Daybell was a visionary and he could indeed see beyond the veil, but that he was deceived by Satan. And that's that's where that that he took these beliefs of his to tier three and added being a zombie. And, and you know, that's that's what went wrong with Chad is sort of like the consensus of a lot of this group that he absolutely was a visionary. He could absolutely see who people were in past lives. He absolutely had a near-death experience, but he was just deceived by Satan and almost maybe even taken by um, a woman who is evil. Um, then, but but I would say, though, that then there are people that I think really encouraged Chad and validated his beliefs. And I think what's concerning most to me is that they still stand by these beliefs. And they so even though they won't be probably showing up to support Chad, I think everybody wants to distance themselves from Chad very much so and say, yeah, that is not us. These beliefs that I personally believe are dangerous um, still exist. And this subgroup still exists. And um, I am curious to see if some of those people show up out of... Um, just knowing about this case. So that helps to make. Yeah, no, no, that's, that's very helpful. And, and that's the thing for some of us who are, you know, following the case, but don't know the details and don't understand the full subculture. It's interesting to understand how much of this still exists. I mean, I'm just, I'm reading comments that are flying by quickly in the chat and people are saying, oh, wow, I didn't realize you know, all those people are, are, are still gathering and still exist. And it, it still is apparently very much a thing. So I find that very interesting. And Gigi, looking ahead also to Chad's trial, what do you think about, so the death penalty is still on the table. Yeah. What are yeah, you, and, yeah. So yeah, what, what are we anticipating? <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, and, and, go ahead. Oh, no, no. I, I was just going to say, you know, obviously that wasn't the case for for Lori. So this obviously changes the situation here with Chad. What are you anticipating? What are you expecting? And I guess as you look ahead to the case, what are questions that you have? Uh, you know, the, one of the biggest things that I want to know is where was Chad's phones at key times during this case? Um, that's one thing we haven't heard is Chad's phone ping. Somebody asked in chat, I saw it scroll by. How did they find the bodies? Well, essentially, they use Alex Cox's Google information where he was logged into his Google account, which mapped where he was. And then they were able to locate the bodies within meters. I mean, it was very close to where he was standing on the days after the kids were last seen. I want to know Chad's phone activity, any kind of electronic evidence they have, because that, you know, things, certain things didn't come into Lori's trial because it, it wasn't about her specifically, you know, maybe with Tammy, we might see different things. I want to know, um, you know, about text between Lori and Chad when it came to Tammy's death or his phone locations when the kids were killed, things like that. I'm really curious about. And, you know, I don't know about you, Lauren, but I, I feel like maybe we might dive a little deeper into Tammy's murder uh, with some details that we we haven't heard yet, you know, and then also Chad's property where the kids' bodies were buried. We know they found the pickaxe with Tylee's DNA in his shed. 
But I think maybe we'll hear a lot more about his location, his home, where the bodies were found as far as uh, forensic evidence and things like that. Because even though they found that one hair with JJ's body, that can be explained away. It does, I fully believe, contributed to at least JJ's murder. I do. I don't know. It's just a gut feeling I have. Uh, you have that whole time where Melanie Gibb, who is was part of this group, and her boyfriend, David Warwick, were staying the night J.J. was murdered. They were there, um, and, and they couldn't get Lori to come to the door. Uh, texted her, called her, jingled the little handle, and nothing. So I, I just feel like we're going to learn some little details, especially about that property that we haven't heard yet that's going to probably blow our mind, like evidence that came out at trial we didn't know before that. You think you know it all, and then like, bam. They bring up a fact and you're just blown away all over again, you know? I completely agree, Gigi. I think you nailed it just there. I think one thing we're going to learn a lot more about is ping data. Um, Let's call it cast data system. That's the appropriate word. We all learned at trial from the FBI. It's their cast. Is that cast cast system Um, data? We know it as pings, cell phone pings. That's what we're talking about, cell phone pings. I think we don't even know the half of it. And I think that the the prosecution and events is held very close to their chest ping data that is going to implicate chad and we know more ping data about um alex cox's phone when he's with chad bearing children on the property but we know very little about um you know i just think there's so much more well i know that there's so much more and so i think you're you're right Gigi. i think one thing we're going to learn a lot more is just some really damning evidence when it comes to pings that's my easy way of saying it yeah pings and i want to see where he was when the kids were being buried because if you remember with tylee um alex was at that house an extended amount of time with jj i think they learned the second time around you know human bodies don't burn like you see in movies even when somebody's cremated it is a constant heat source for 10 plus hours and you still have leftovers that have to be dealt with so we know Tyler was burned in that fire pit. But I think with JJ, there's a tree he was found under. Well, what did Chad do back in the day? He was a grave digger. What was done to the roots that were found near JJ's body? Perfectly cut. That grave was pre-dug. I'm telling you right now, it he was. was waiting on JJ to be brought there. And I, I want to see where his phone pings were at 3 a.m. Is he out there digging a grave? Things like that are going to be huge and just going to implicate him any you know, way more than he already is. His goose is cooked. This trial, everybody is entitled to one, but to me, it's a formality because we've heard enough to, to with Lori's trial to say, duh, the kids were found on his property. Yes. I mean, come on. That's you know, all you need, right? Let's sneak, let's sneak these on and Chad's right, property that- while he sleeps. Well, yeah, that I grave was absolutely pre dug. Did we mention that Chad Daybell was a grave digger for years? Did we throw yeah, that in there? Professional grave digger for years. Yeah. Well, and people were talking about that in the chat. And I, I think that's what's so interesting and also like so heinous and disgusting about this specific case is that between the cast data, thank you, Casey Alfer, for uh, writing that out for us. But between the cast data, between the new evidence, and between everything that we already know about the case and about how these children were found and and Gigi you were just mentioning like you know in terms of like bodies burning Joel has done so many shows where he's had all of these experts talking about how difficult it is to to kill someone and to get rid of a body and to do all these things to a body and that just I I don't even want to think about that but that just speaks to the volume of how disgusting it was 
in terms of the brutality of this case and what happened to those two kids. And I think the way Tylee was found speaks volumes about what they thought about her. Now, you could say they learned a lesson. It's not easy to burn a body, but um, to be dismembered and burned, you know, Tylee was a little spitfire from what we've heard. You know, Tylee was not afraid to, you know, to to tell her opinion and, and Tylee did not like Chad. And I think that in a lot of ways, combined with knowing the truth of what happened that day with Charles, um, you know, I always go back to that police interview with Tylee. And, and one thing that always stood out to me, she's in there waiting for an ungodly amount of time. This poor 16 year old girl just waiting to be interviewed. She just saw her stepdad, you know, potentially get shot. We we've heard she was outside. There's one moment where she starts humming the song to Moana as kind of this calming method. And then she starts to break down. And then as quickly as she started, she was able to turn that off as if she wasn't crying. But it was like you see her knowing, replaying in her mind at times what maybe transpired that morning. Um, and, and I think that Tylee knowing too much about that murder and not liking Chad just made her pretty much a shoe in on the dark list. I agree. I agree. And I think you're right. As my husband, a forensic psychologist, says, it's his signature. Like, you can learn a lot about just the differences of way JJ's body and and Tylee's body were preserved or, or the lack of being preserved it shows, I think, a real a hatred towards Tylee. And she is, she is the one I worry about. I think she's probably the most heartbreaking i think the way she died and we won't talk about it here but i think that could be the most brutal part of the 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 case i think you're right Gigi. and uh just to wrap here sorry guys i know that you you've been here for an hour and a half so i I appreciate it um i just want to address this quick super chat here tangling with gina says who thinks chad will throw Lori under the bus Everyone? Okay, that's what that's what I thought. And then we have another super chat here that I f- starred and flagged it somewhere. Um, I also just wanted to give a big shout out to Black Wador. We don't always pull up her super chats and her gifted memberships. She never complains, but obviously, Black Wador, you know that we adore you. Thank you so much. And then Kristen here gave us a super chat. Congrats, STS, on 100,000 amaze. Love seeing you gorgeous ladies partner on this interesting topic. Lauren, would you and Dr. John consider a deep dive on Wendy Adelson with STS? Sorry, off topic. We won't yes. get any details, but <laughs> Lauren and I had a very, very long conversation the other day about doing a very cool collab, maybe a part two, like a two-part series. Uh, we will keep working on that behind the scenes. And then we'll uh, figure it out and definitely announce it. But yeah, Lauren and I are working on something for Lauren, Dr. John, and Joel to put together that I think is very interesting. And on that same note, someone else that we constantly collaborate with is Gigi. And Gigi is also working on some things behind the scenes that we will also be sharing as soon as Gigi is done with that. (laughs) Uh, So I I did want to give both of these amazing ladies a shout out i'm just gonna say this very generically here it's a it's a general statement do not look deeper into it 
YouTube is a very, very interesting place, as I said last time on this show, but it's really also a great place because it's brought some of us together. I know that we happen to all meet at CrimeCon, but because of YouTube, we're able to have this platform where we can collaborate. And someone was asking me, oh, you know, you're only having women on. We have men on all the time with Joel, but I just thought it was so great to collaborate with two amazing women that are so well-versed on all things true crime that we're sitting there every single day in the trial covering it, who are moms, who are compassionate, who are intelligent, who are journalists. So yes, if I have these amazing women that I can platform, I'm definitely going to do that. And Lauren and Gigi, it has been amazing having you guys both on. I hope that you guys will consider doing this again. If you guys um, have any closing statements or anything else you'd like to share, and then I am going to share, I almost forgot, the giveaway winner. Um, but as I'm looking, we lost her. <laughs> well, the giveaway winner. Well, that was. We'll wait. We'll wait. What wait, shall we'll wait we for do? Her. That was talk about a plot twist. Uh, yeah. Everybody's waiting Oof. for the the giveaway winner. <laughs> wait, did the rapture just happen? Winner? We get left behind. That well, was I think, she, I think she. No, I think okay, she, it, there she yeah, is. Every it's time it's, it's actually weird. I must have some kind of shortcut on my keyboard. <laughs> you know i'm from the south we all believe the raptures happen and so like when i when i can't find any of my family i'm like i'm left that's it i didn't make I'm it like, and the giveaway the winner is up uh no every time i i do this movement on my keyboard with my two fingers it's supposed to be like the slide down i think it takes me out of the app so i might i must have some kind of shortcut i know you guys always hear me say it but i think my settings are off um, okay, let me see who the winner, who the giveaway winner is. But in the meantime, why don't you each give us a closing statement? Okay, on, my closing on statement is not about true crime. I saw in chat that somebody asked if I have a hickey on my neck. And <laughs> I wish that I could say it was a hickey. No shame. That would be great. I'd be like, yes, you know, uh, but it's not. It is. I just got tired of wearing turtlenecks. And so this is your uh, PSA. Get your skin checked. I had skin cancer removed and it's still healing. It's been many months. I'll have a nice scar there that maybe people will always think I have a hickey. I guess there could be worse things. But everybody get your skin checked and wear your SPF. I had some skin cancer removed. Girl, That's my final. And thank you to everyone for being here tonight. And thank you to those that follow and subscribe and like um this i know it's going to help uh surviving this fiber so much we want to see them keep and continuing to grow thank you thank you so much all right Gigi, give us a closing statement i'm just happy to be a part of the true crime community you know for the most part it's a collaboration and not a competition and it should be a collaboration um i'm honored to know all you guys lauren and i spent a lot of time together i've learned a lot from her um, and I'm just, you know, what, what it is, this, this community for the most part is very beautiful. Um, you have a lot of people that are fighting for a common cause and that's to bring awareness to the victims, seeking justice and supporting the family. So, man, you know, it's like, what a, what an amazing time to be a part of this community and just to bring awareness the way we do. And just to be among people like Lauren and Brian and everything, it's just an honor because, um, I'm very new. When I went to Murdoch, I'd never done a live shot. And uh, never mind, it was five degrees that day in South Carolina. So um, 
yeah, so I've just learned from watching everybody. And so I appreciate it. And I love the fact that I can watch Lauren, I can watch STS, and I can learn so much between all the different platforms that you don't have to pick a favorite, right? I mean, you just go get your information from a bunch of different sources and you get a well-rounded view of these cases. So I love it. I love our community and and love all y'all and the listeners because we, none of us would be here if it weren't for our, our families, our respective families. And uh, yeah, so it's an honor. It gets heavy sometimes, but you know, you keep going because it's bigger than you. Exactly. And well said, Gigi and Lauren. I just want to give a shout out to Sherry Davis for the super sticker and super chat. 566 thumbs up, please. Can we get everyone to hit the like button? And we do have a winner. Nightbot chose T. T has won the giveaway. However, we did roll it three times. The first time, Nightbot chose Heather N, who won our last giveaway. By the way, that signed book is on the way. (laughs) Not our signed book, Dr. Ann Burgess. Clarifying. And then we rolled it again, and Nightbot chose Janice Green, And we sent her a signed copy of Ruth Markell's book. So I'm starting to think that Nightbot is rigged, but we did run it a third time. So T has won the giveaway. Heather N and Janice Green, you guys can email me, survivingthesurvivor at gmail.com. And if you want stuff, I will still send it to you anyway. Um, But you, you guys let me know. But T, you are definitely getting this little swag bag with all these goodies. Uh, Joel also has some STS tattoos, so I will send those in case you want to do a full neck tat, sleeve tat of STS tats, whatever. <laughs> I have to say hello to Janine Hansen, who's in chat. She is the angel of Rexburg. She has been such a constant source of love and help to Can Larry since all this started. So I just want to say, hey, Janine, she's in chat. Hey, Janine. And then a quick shout out to Joel. In case you didn't know, Joel wrote a book, but in all seriousness, here is his QR code. I just want to give Joel a shout out. We all give Joel a lot of beef for being Joel, but uh, he works really, really hard. He he really does love this podcast and he, he treats it like his baby and he takes it very, very personal. He reads all the comments and if someone says something, he gets but hurt. But I just wanted to give Joel a really big shout out. He started this as Gigi did and Lauren did. It was a labor of love. And now it's become like a full-blown thing for him, for all of us, really, because I'm sitting here doing this too. And so I just wanted to give Joel a shout out. Here is his QR code for his book. They're going to begin recording the audio for Audible soon. So uh, for all of you guys that keep asking, stay tuned. I also wanted to mention that we do have our second channel. It is youtube.com forward slash surviving the survivor trials. The Michelle Traconis trial was delayed today due to weather in Connecticut, but we are back on tomorrow morning, 10 a.m. on that channel. Space Coast, all of our mods hang out there. So I do want to invite you to come watch. That's the Michelle Traconis trial. Eventually, we're going to get to another trial. This trial has been moving very, very slowly, but it is a very important case about a mother of five who went missing. She disappeared and has now been declared dead. And again, she's a mother of five. These are, again, these stories... It's like the children are always the victims who then have to figure out life without their parents, without their family. So again, a very important trial. Please check that out. Please follow. Ladies, any other any other shout outs we have to give? Anything else you have coming up that you want to promote? 
No, I just think, well, yeah, we'll be covering the trial, um, the Chad Daybell trial starting in April. And for those that want to get caught up on the case, I'd recommend our Beyond the Veil series, a hidden true crime podcast, or on YouTube, our playlist, the full uh, Chad and Lori uh, Daybell, I can't remember what it's called, the full Daybell caseload. The, I don't know. We have about 170 videos over there if you want to get caught up on the case. As does Gigi. Listen to both of us. As she says, we all offer different things, and Gigi has a full caseload, too. A big hello to Kay Woodcock, who is in chat. JJ's grandma, Charles's sister, and uh, wife to Larry. Oh, great people. It's good to see you here. Let me just ask you. All right. That's it for today. Thank you, everyone, and stay tuned. Bye. We'll see you on the call. Final seconds of the game. A chance to score and the chance has gone begging. If your business's commerce platform keeps missing the target on golden opportunities, get the MVP you deserve. Get Shopify. (coughs) Shopify is the commerce platform revolutionizing millions of businesses worldwide. Whether you're a garage entrepreneur or IPO ready, Shopify is the only tool that you need to start, run, and grow your business without the struggle. Shopify puts you in control of every sales channel. So whether you're selling signed football boots from Shopify's in-person POS system, or you're vending vintage shirts on Shopify's all-in-one e-commerce platform, you are covered. And once you've reached your audience, Shopify has the internet's best converting checkout to help you turn them from browsers to buyers. What I love about Shopify is how, no matter how big you want to grow, Shopify gives you everything you need to take control and take your business to the next level. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the US. And Shopify is truly a global force, powering Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across over 170 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning help is there to support your success every step of the way. This is Possibility, powered by Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash ranks, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com forward slash ranks to take your business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash ranks.